Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is Nadine Crocker, who is an award-winning director, writer, actress, and producer whose journey has been anything but conventional. An advocate for mental health awareness and suicide prevention, she brings a sense of herself to anything she undertakes. Her first film, the award-winning independent feature, Continue, is based on her true life experience surviving a suicide attempt when she was 23. Her intent was to make a film where she could not only tell her story, but help others from taking their own lives. Welcome to the podcast, Nadine Crocker. Hello. How are you? I'm amazing. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's okay. is it it's Crocker, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I love your name, by the way. Flowers. <laughs> I have so it's many so people good. tell me that it's so funny because when I was young, I hated that name, and now I love that name. People are just like, oh. "Dang!" Isn't it so funny how that happens? So when you get older, you you like that your name is unique, but when you're young, like I hated Nadine. No one could ever say it. People invented letters like Natalie, Nate, you know, and you're like, what? There's not even an L. Where are you getting this? But I always had a joke that my alter ego was Dean Wildflower. So when I saw Leo Flowers, I was like, oh, that's so good. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, let's hop into it. The, the, the alter ego thing. I, I want to start there because I just bought this book uh, called Alter Ego. And it was talking about this idea of we need, like, you know, Kobe Bryant had the Black Mamba. And then, you know, I even heard Madonna talk about, like, like that's Madonna on stage, but she's not Madonna off stage. You know, she's not singing and dancing at that. I mean, she probably is singing and dancing. Yeah, she probably all, is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's Madonna. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, but, it's so funny. Well, also, uh, David Goggins, I don't know if you know. Oh, absolutely. I'm obsessed with him. And like, he has Goggins. And like, in his book, when you're listening, he's like, I want you to name your alter ego. So what's funny is I hadn't said Dean Wildflower in so long, but I decided that that was my alter ego again, like when I was reading that book. But sorry to interrupt, but like, yeah. (laughs) No, I, I love it. And and I bring up the alter ego because I think sometimes we get so caught up in trying to define ourselves and who we are, and we don't take the time to notice the different aspects of ourselves. You know, yeah. like there's a like there's Leo who has a good a good night's sleep and Leo who hasn't had a good night's sleep. There's Leo who's hanging around his boys, and there's Leo who's, you know, with his mom and his family. Like there's there's different aspects of Leo's, and I wish I had known that earlier. That that like different environments and context and times of day and times of year uh, yield a different kind of Leo versus I have to I have to figure out who I am. Well, yeah, and also like realizing that you are all those different people, and like also that there's it's okay to keep some of those versions of yourself for just your closest people too. Like as you were talking, like something like I kind of kind of my house, like mind is like me and my husband even talked about that. Like I'm so open about my past and my life, but I do feel like there's some aspects that I'm like, no, that's for me. Like, you know, so there's other aspects to it too of like, you know, we are so many different versions of ourselves. And you're right. Like I think that came 
that comes with age. Like, I, I think I thought I had to be that person all the time, you know, when I was young, like oh. I was the actor and I was the edgy one and I was the this and the sarcastic and the whatever. And so I was constantly playing this role so that I was like mysterious and cool and whatever the hell I had told myself at that time, like I needed to be in order to be an actor to be whatever I was. And I think that that's what actually made my most like depressing damn years is like, because when you actually know, like, you know, Nadine, I'm goofy and I'm like, you know, just really, I'm an empath and I'm a lover and like, I'm not cool. Like as cool as I might try and pretend like with the jewelry or the hair or the pixie or like, you're like, oh, that's just, I'm like, no, I'm actually like a total like movie nerd. And like, I do ridiculous voices and like, I'm a mom. And so, you know, I have now become a sculptor of weird figurines for my child. Like last night I get done doing like press and all of these things and I'm making, uh, I hope no one that is listening to this knows what I'm talking about. Otherwise, you know, the pain I'm experiencing, but annoying orange videos. <laughs> it's this like character that is like the most annoying character. Well, my son's obsessed with it. So I made him a clay figurine of his annoying oranges. And like, you know, so it's like, we are a million different versions. And I think the yeah the alter ego of it all is funny like I've now turned because of David Goggins book I'm like now the alter ego of me is like the beast mode me you know the rest of it's like <laughs> you know I've stopped like I guess trying to be any version that I'm not anymore which is such a good feeling you know it's almost like you have to get to your 20s to just start not giving a shit in your 30s <laughs> Do you find, because like there is a beast mode, Leo Flowers, you know, I played college football and, and there was a time where I just wanted to stay in beast mode and anything that wasn't beast mode, I was like, something's off, something's wrong. And I was like looking for like some external thing to get me back in the beast mode, whether it was like caffeine or some supplement or what have you, I man, I got to hit the gym. And then, you know, with time, as you said, as you age, you recognize that we sometimes we got to put beast mode away like sometimes like beast mode is exhausting and and beast mode needs to recover you know he needs to hibernate i can like feel what you're saying like deep within my bones like my husband is like honestly i you know for me finding an amazing support system like i'm so lucky to have it with my husband and my son but like truthfully he is who's like shut the computer beast mode rests also now hibernation time you have to freaking sleep you cannot stay in front of your computer for 16 hours straight but i'm like you know i mean straight up it's probably like a form of mania like when i get into a story and when i get into writing like i have to purge it i have to get this from my body and i can't rest until it's done and that'd be okay if at the end of the film i was like of writing it or whatever mode I've just gone into like flow and purge this story from my body if then I was like okay hibernation then it's like what was this <laughs> it's just like chill out sleep like rest also you need to relax a little bit like beast mode so I feel what you're saying so deeply because sometimes like my husband can even sense it and he's like you're antsy in this time of calm, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, like, I don't know what to do about it. Like, you know, but so I do, I have to remind myself, like, take a break, 
you know, because like, even when you come back from production, it's like, I'm so, I miss my family so much. I'm so happy to be back there, but I've been in work mode so long that I'm like, all right, what can I work on? <laughs> what do I want to start doing? And you're like, you got back yesterday. Could you just maybe like relax? <laughs> maybe sleep. you haven't slept in like four months, <laughs> you know? I know. And then there's that big crash that comes at the end of it, too, where you're like, oh, wait, why can't I get out of bed? Why is brushing my teeth so hard today? Like, what happened? Literally, it's what and I call it like the blues. It's like the the post production or like the, you know, like you get through the entire beast mode of however long it lasted. And then you can't help but have the blues because, you know, like something that I've tried to express to people, it's like you it. Film production is a family you choose, right? And you only get those moments together for that brief moment of time that you're all together. You're all away from your own life. You're all there working towards a common goal. And when it ends, you can't help but mourn like the fact that you know you'll never have that experience again. You'll never be as uninterrupted all together again. Like, you know, those people that I worked with, like on Desperation Road, for, for example, they are all friends of mine and we have all stayed really close, but it's not the same as being together every day in a place where we have nothing to do except for hanging out with each other. And like, you know, we're on set all day and night. So we're just like, you know, you're a family. So yeah, you can't help but have blues like when you return. Cause you've also been like purging like so much creative energy from your body. And it's like, you know, it's like, I don't know, like a ghost, like you're exercising the demons. So now you got to just like <sighs> rest. Yeah, you, 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 you know? get home and it's like, hey, what do you want to watch on Netflix tonight? And you're like, oh, can we can we make a Netflix movie? Can we? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I don't want to watch a Netflix movie. I want to go make one. <laughs> you know, like, but Nadine, you just got back last week. I'm aware. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> like, that's what I always say too. Like, I've had to. I've always had that mind, um, like, I don't know uh, about you, but I've also, I've always been like an overthinker, right? And I have like this mind that is constantly thinking about tomorrow and five years from now and 10 years ago, a conversation I had and you're like, stop, be present. And I've had to like really remind myself of that, especially with like, you know, going, like referring to the beast mode is because you can get so busy chasing the next thing because it is a high it's like the best feeling ever and for for so many of us like I worked my entire life to be here I mean I dropped out of high school and I moved to Los Angeles when I was 16 I've been working three jobs from 16 until 30 you know so it was just like then invested like my entire life savings and like you know was serving tables with all this money invested while I'm trying to put together my first home continue you know so you're just like I've had to take moments to be like take in where you're at now, experience it. Like don't start getting consumed with the next thing or, you know, because it's so easy to get excited about the next thing when you're actually getting to do it too, you know? So I'll have to like slow down. Like even now when I'm talking to you, I'm like, be present in this moment. Enjoy Leo flowers, you know? (laughs) Because I I do, I get so excited and like, you know, so it's like that constant reminder. I've started to really work on of like, okay, beast mode will be there. She'll be there when you need her. But like, let's chill and be here too. <laughs> you know. Is there a, a fear of 
losing the beast mode, meaning when I think of beast mode, as we're talking about it, I also recognize there's an aspect of survival mode. Uh, I like, you know, at 16, you drop out of high school, you have to work three jobs. And that feeling of being in survival mode, that fight flight mode, um, that can get addictive where it's like, I either am running from a thing or I'm pursuing a thing, but stopping just feels dangerous almost. Uh, do you, do you, have you sensed that? Do you feel that? Is that a fear? Yes. Like first, before I go into that, the answer is yes. Like I'm I'll like, it's funny that you brought that up though. Like, because I always say, my I have had a long life of drama like I have been through a lot of stuff I have had you know if you can think of it I've probably been through it not you know not to maybe that's not true there's a lot of things I haven't been through but there's a lot of things I have experienced and I've always said that I think my trauma is what made me such a great director is because my fight or flight is sick like I have been in it for so long and I've I've learned to use it to my advantage so I do really great in those circumstances because of that but when you live in that for too long you can tend to constantly be like I almost feel like for a while there I was so used to chaos that I was looking for it and then I'd be like god why do these things keep happening to me or like why did this happen or my account my you know debit card got hacked again or my this and I just feel like I was constantly looking for that chaos because I was so used to living in that chaos, you know, and for, for having just go wrong. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been a great thing because I know how to thrive within a 16 day production, you know, but it's also really hard when you're, you know, I, I sometimes I say that I think the thing that makes me so good at what I do is the thing that makes like living in my skin on some days really hard, you know? because it doesn't just have an on and off switch. And like, that can be really difficult, you know? Um, and yeah, there's times where you like, you know, I think I, I think when you, like when you said that, what really came to my mind is like, I do wonder if I used to think like, if I didn't live in that beast mode or that fight or flight, like maybe I'd forget and not be able to like access it the same way or something, you know, like, it's oh, funny when you bring it up that way. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, maybe I, you know, held on to that for so long. You know, like me and my life coach work a lot. Like I, I'm big on therapy and, you know, I have a life coach. I have all of these things that I actively do to like keep myself really healthy. And um, and one thing she always says to me, she's like, you're done fighting. You did the fight. You got yourself out of it. Now it's time to enjoy. You don't need to fight anyone anymore. You don't need to fight. And I'm like, oh, that's really hard when you're a fighter. <laughs> you know, it's like, fudge. You're basically saying, like, drop your whole identity of what you've known for the last, like, 34 years. And, like, you don't have to do that anymore. And I'm like, okay, 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 okay. I can do that. Okay. Yeah, because your mind is like, but there's still monsters out there. What are you talking about? Like, uh, I still know the guy who, you know, like, whatever the, yeah. the backstory is, right? You're like, I don't know if I can stop fighting. I feel like I need to keep training. Yeah, right? Or you don't want to, like, because, like, I don't know, I guess as a filmmaker, like, 
I mean, there's a thousand things that you have to fight for on an average day. Like you have to fight and have your vision come across. You have to fight against the people who might not be like honoring your vision, who might not be giving you the things that you need, who might not be doing their job, who, you know, it's like, I've in this industry had to do a lot of fighting and it's like, so I don't know if because you're getting to where you've always wanted to be that the fight stops. I actually have a feeling that the fight's going to get bigger and harder because I'm going to be working with studios and I'm going to be working on bigger visions and I'm going to be doing things I've never done before. So like, I don't know, does the fight actually stop? Like, I don't know, (laughs) you know? I don't think it does. I actually, I don't think it does. I have to be honest. I, I don't think the fight, I think, but the, I think the art is in learning how to sit in the quiet and and to also create that because you know when i think back to grad school i remember staying up late to finish papers and and get things done and um you know just wanting to train all the time like i would spend like you know five hours in the gym and i just thought more and more go 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 until like i would crash like i was either beast mode or crashing there was no in between and and I was like, oh, this is not sustainable though. Like I'm I'm gonna burn out, and uh, you know I'm gonna put myself at at risk for injury. Um, and what I what I also realized is that I didn't learn how to recover. That was the thing. I, as I as I'm getting older, I'm 47 now, and so now I value knowing how to recover so that I can fight a sustained battle. So I've accepted that life is going to be a battle. But I've also learned that if I'm too caught up in beast mode, it can limit my vision, right? Because only when I'm calm can I then, can my peripheral then expand out and see the bigger picture. But if I'm fighting, I only see what's right in front of me and I miss all of this on the outside. So I've learned to value both um, and learning how to tap into both versus just, I feel like I'm in beast mode and just going with it until it dies off. Now it's like, how do I, it's almost like when you watch those, uh, those Marvel comic movies and like the, the X-Men character, uh, he, he's young and he discovers he has like, uh, you know, X-ray vision or he can like shoot fire out of his eyes, right? But the first couple of times he does it, he burns everything. Because he hasn't learned how to harness the power of it. And it takes some training in years to learn how to harness the energy. Even Superman, look at the earlier Superman movies, like he's like crashing and like can't get off the ground and stumbling. And he, so it's like, okay, I have this beast mode power. How do I harness it so I don't harm myself and harm others? Yeah. Well, and it's funny, like what I like wrote down while you were talking that really like stood out to me is like what I'm hearing and what you're reminding me is like, I think the, I think the mission there is to find out what's like, what do I want to fight for? Right. So it's like, I think when you get too caught up in fight mode or beef mode, you might think you need to battle for every damn thing that you want or for every, like every fight that approaches you. Right. So it's like, well, this guy was a jerk today and this person did this and did and like balance in years and like learning that you know like you said the recovery or whatever it's like is this a fight worth fighting 
right? So that's where our growth and years have come in to where like, yes, we're still Superman, like with the superpowers and all of that. But we're like, the lady walk crossing the street, she's almost to the other side. She's okay. You know, it's like, do I need to get involved in every single aspect? And for a person like me, who's also a mama bear, like if you're in my life and you're my friends, like, I will attack anyone. You know, like I am protector. And so it's also in all of that, even when you are a protector, like, is this my fight? Is this something that even needs to be fought? Like, does that even need to be acknowledged? Does that email need to be answered? Like, that person's problem is their own problem. It has nothing to do with me, you know? So it's the wisdom that's now coming, right? It's the Superman's like been doing it a little bit longer that he's like figuring out the balance of it all. And and yeah, like that's what you're saying. Like, you know, because I had a lot of times where, um, you know, I my, uh, my husband again, like, so it's like my family have been like, I know you are a beast and like you burn the candle at both ends and like you can accomplish pretty much like all things. But at the same time, like, is that worth your health? You know, because when I get into that mode, like my husband and my personal assistant will have like a full on friendship just about watering and feeding me like a flower. Like, you know what I mean? Because that's how like silly I get, you know, like, I, but I don't even think that food or water is important. And I'll go like a whole day without even thinking about it, you know? And so like my husband will straight up be like, hi, did he drink the water? Well, I handed it to her and he didn't drink it. And he's like, do not step out from in front of her until she drinks it. And so like, I can't um, leave you until uh, you drink this water. I'm like, what? And they're like, Anthony the water. So I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like gargling, like, I mean like chugging it down. But at the end of the day, I'm like, hey, I love you. Thanks for doing that. It was my first drink of water all day. You know? So again, like we can get so caught up in beast mode and goals and dreams and the fight and all of those things that we don't understand that we also have to recharge. And so, yeah, again, that is recovery and like not risking injury. Like we can keep pushing ourselves, but I think the balance is learning well, the, the journey is learning balance. Let me say that. <laughs> learning balance still, you know, so. When was the last time you felt held? Held? Held. H-E-L-D. Held. Yes. Oh, I was like, hell? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> I'm like, speaking of fight, um, held. In these last couple weeks, I'll be honest with you. Um, it's been like finishing the film, finishing Desperation Road, like doing all of this, preparing for press, weekly press meetings, like all of these different things, right? So, and in between that, getting to like now this week, press week and like release of the film next week and all of that, um, I've really just been with my son and my husband and like my support and, you know, the thing about having that family dynamic, it's like, you know, I, didn't, I don't think I knew how bad I needed that, like, until I had it, and now I can't even, like, well, I can totally understand why I was so unhappy before, you know, because I was, I, I never realized, I guess, well, I obviously did realize being a suicide survivor and feeling really lonely, but I, 
I guess I just tried to ignore the loneliness. And like now when you have people and I have true friendships around me and true supporters and like I do, I just feel really, really supported in such a beautiful way. And I haven't experienced that feeling a lot, you know? So I'll say this last like month and last few weeks in particular, you know, has been an overwhelming feeling of gratitude. And like, that's so exciting. Like that's such a big change from like, you know, the past, I'd say like, I used to focus on my problems rather than all of the beauty I had. And that is something that's grown from, again, my twenties or like from my most depressed and, you know, painful self to now it's like, you know, I think I used to focus on what I call like the wrong side of the room. I was focusing on things from the past or pain or this or that and not seeing all of the beauty that also is there, you know? So I think that that change in perspective and like when you stay so completely grounded in the gratitude, like it just, it changes your perspective. And I think also, sorry, I'm like going on and on, but the other thing I was going to say is I think also getting through some of the darkest times of my life made me realize how each and every one of them was leading me to where I was going. And I really didn't know it then until now being like this version of myself, adult version, like looking back, I understand all the little things, you know, for me that I felt like God was taking me through or the universe, how, whatever you want to call it to lead me to where I am today and like you know it's that quote you can't connect the dots looking forward only looking back you know so like the number one thing is like you just have to get through whatever the hardships are and how we can be held in those moments in between and stay grateful to try and stay present and get ourselves you know because like once you go and wallow in it I feel like you're doomed you know yeah you know so at 23 you had the attempt um and that moment when you realize it hadn't completed, what did that feeling, what was that feeling at that moment? You know, what were I the always, thoughts? Yeah, well, I always talk about that time because like, you know, continue my first film really um, highlighted like this one night in my life where I ended up having to be taken into the hospital and like I kind of got caught in my attempt and you know was taken in and and all of those different things but I had I had been really frivolous with my life in that period of time in so many other ways and each time when I came out of it yeah it's a really great question like how what was that feeling I mean when you asked the first instinct that came up was embarrassment because as soon as you fail in that moment you realize like you're about to have to explain yourself to everybody you love and that loves you. And that is a really hard um, pill to swallow, you know? Uh, and, and for me at the time, it just looks like mm, making excuses and justifications and like, Oh, I wasn't actually, you know, and like whatever it was, because it's like, God, how do you, how do you talk about, and also admit like how deeply lost you are, you know? And like my family is going through the worst time we'd ever been through as a family in that time. And so that was one of the things that led to it. And then, you know, so it's just like, 
all of the things. Um, and now you have to face that. And I also come from a family of suicide, you know, so my grandfather took his own life in the movie. I had it be my father so that I could use like, because me and my, my father have such a, a strong dialogue about suicide and like that effect now, because we've both really suffered from depression and, you know, he's been through that loss and I've been through, you know, surviving it. And my dad has had his own battles and struggles. Um, so it's like, how do you tell a bunch of people who have already been through it? Like, yeah, I almost did that to you as well. You know, so it was, it was definitely a really hard conversation to have. And I think only through getting myself healthy did I actually finally have that conversation. Like immediately it was just like, ah, fix mode. Like, how do you get out of this situation? How do you not get institutionalized? Like, or taken in on 51, you know, it's like you're in fight or flight salad mode. Like, how do I escape the consequences of my actions? Well, and asked because it's so interesting how people who have attempted uh, and, they, and they're caught, um, they don't have this impulse to try to find a way to do it again immediately. They're not like, oh, I got caught. All right, I got to do this better immediately. Like, they're, they're, it's, it's an embarrassment, like you said. And like, how do I explain myself? Yeah, absolutely. How do I explain myself? Also, like, you know, I do think, I do believe that in that initial moment, you also have the thought, how the F do I get better? Like, how do I, how do I stop this? And like, I do think that that's the worst thing about depression, suicidal ideation is that it doesn't actually feel possible to end it. You know what I mean? Like it becomes, and like, I have this whole dialogue and the movie where she explains like once it's a thought it's always a thought this is literally like the quote that I say it's like you know you can have you go through a breakup kill yourself bad day kill yourself parking ticket kill yourself you know and that's because it and, and I know that that sounds terrible to say but it's just realistic it, it, and you know later I was diagnosed with severe PTSD which like I didn't understand that that's what I had from my childhood like, I thought that was reserved for, like, veterans and, like, people who, like, went to battle. And I'm like, who the hell am I? Like, I, you know, um, it was only when I was diagnosed and, like, started to really understand um, my depression many years later is that, like, I actually recognize that when I'm severely triggered with my PTSD, it's actually, like, I can now spot it. Because the it's not the, it's not, like, the 10th thought. It's the first, it's, like, here's the trigger. I should end my life. I should end my, like, it's instant. And like, and so now as someone who's gotten myself, you know, who does a lot of work on myself and, and those feelings and my mental health, I go, oh, you're really triggered. That's your PTSD. So uh, let's take it back. What just did that? Okay. What can you do right now to fix it? Okay. I got to go for a run. I got to get outside. I got to go walk. Like I got to get fresh air. I have to, I have to breathe, you know, and it's like then calming myself down and then starting to figure out what it was or, you know, all of the things. But so, yeah, it's like when you're in that, though, and when you're experiencing it, you don't know what like getting healthy and like starting to understand it seems completely impossible. Having any control over it, completely impossible. But like with deep work it, and like people and support to help you, like it is possible. It just takes a lot of effort you know but 
so yeah, going back to that, I do. I think that also my initial thought was like, I'm not going to make it if I keep on like this. So what do I have to change? What surprised you in that moment where you're explaining yourself when you are now having to really be honest and vulnerable with the people who are friends and family? What what surprised you in terms of their responses or maybe in your response or in that whole dynamic of it? Um my first instinct of what, when you just said that, like I always try and like listen to the first gut that comes up and, you know, something that I think stands out to me and that I like remember about that time, but I still like remember that people often say to me is like, no one was expecting me to be that way. Like that I had those battles. And like, by that, I mean, on the outside, I seemed outgoing. I seemed like, I had my shit together. I seemed funny. I seemed cool. And all of these things that like to the outside world, you know, they didn't know I was struggling the way that I was like, you know, and like at the time, you know, I kind of touched on uh, my family dynamic was an utter chaos at that time, like within my own family. And so I was supposed to be the together one. So I also couldn't be honest about how fucked up I was at that time, like, and how much I was struggling. And so I think initially, like, you know, when they called my mom and like, when they, you know, did that and they're like, she's in the hospital for like, you know, and they had known I had self-harm because I had been caught like with cuts on my arms and things like that, you know, before, but I don't think they understood I was like as severely lost as I was in that time you know and when I was went to like writing that film it like makes me a little bit emotional right now like talking about it and thinking about it it's like when I try and embody that right even when I was making continue and I was trying to create those scenes like the overall feeling I remember and I like see in my mind of those memories is like pure and utter chaos like if I were to take this computer right now and spin, and go in and out, and, like, and I, you know, like, it just felt out of control, and, like, messy, and, like, it just, like, that's what my, you know, inner feeling was, was just, like, so messy, and, like, out of control, you know, and so it's, and, like, the thing about depression is, you know, and the reason I said, like, I wasn't the person that, like, the reason I really want to stress that is, like, because, you know, at that time, I was, I, I used to call myself a chemist, like, I'm eight years sober on October 4th, so I'm about to have eight years, and um, I was a chemist. How many drinks keep the demons away, and I just say the fun, and, like, you know, can go and make you laugh, and make sure you're having the time of your life, and, like, you know, just fun and friend and all of those things. And then I'd get home and it was like, and how many drinks till I unleashed it, you know? Um, so it's like our friends that we think are the strongest and that are the, like, you know, the funniest and the this and that, they could be the person that's struggling the most. So I just want to remind people like, you know, check in on your friends and also like, 
the overall feeling is loneliness and feeling like a burden when you're in those times. Like, so just let the person know how much you fucking love them. That's all you can do, you know? You open up to your friends, your family, and I'm sure that there was some, was that when the therapeutic uh, treatment started in terms of seeing a therapist or, or group therapy? What was the step after that? Sobriety was the absolute first step for me. Um, I was numbing. Like, till this day, I have friends that are like, I'm an alcoholic. I'm like, no, I am a chemist again. Like, I'm very good at numbing and like knowing exactly when it's time that I don't want to deal with something. And so, you know, the great thing about sobriety is like, it's always time to deal with something. There's nothing to hide behind anymore. <laughs> like, if you're feeling it, let's talk about it. Let's fix it because it ain't going away unless you do. You know, so first step for me really was sobriety. It was getting out of the relationship I was in at that time, which was like very tumultuous and unhealthy. And um, the person was a big drinker and like, it was very obvious I should not be drinking. And, you know, and so, yeah, for me, it was sobriety. It was getting in. I, um, I actually, you know, so something that's different from the film, I actually talked my way out of the 5150, you know, manipulated the shit out of the system, did everything I possibly could to get my ass out of there and get home. And like, and you know, and, and I can say that with like full, like they should have kept me there and I should have like, you know, I definitely should have gone in, but I did get myself out of it somehow. And I'm grateful that I did, but I didn't take that to be like, okay, now I can continue. I was like, okay, you just got out on like by the skin of your teeth and like it is time to get better, you know? And so, yeah, I got a therapist. I was going twice a month. I also had a life coach. I was in AA and I was sober. I had, you know, a sponsor at the time. I got a new apartment. Uh, I got a job, you know, again, like serving tables. And um, so it was like, all right, ground one like we're starting over we're getting away from all of our and I cleaned house on my friends like and that is a really hard thing for I think people to know that they have to do because you know for someone like me like I'm loyal to a fall you can treat me like shit and I still stay too long you know and so for me to feel the safety within my own boundaries to say I can't actually have this person around me or I deserve better or I need healthier relationships a really hard thing for me to do to put those boundaries down and also to be like hi I'm a lonely person who just wants friends and now we're saying the few that I have I need to like separate from so now I am completely alone but that alone taught me the best lessons I could have ever learned you know so I'm and also gave room for the right people to come into your life because just it's like quantity or quality over quantity (laughs) Yeah, I, I my friends make fun of me because I have two therapists and they're like, are you crazy? And I'm like, yeah, but also <laughs> I need backup, you know, like I need one I can talk to, like, because one is in London and I'm like, I need one I can talk to, you know, in here in California at 2 p.m., but I need somebody at 2 a.m. sometimes who, you know, is awake and, and, and ready to hear all the things. What do you feel like your life coach brings to the table different than your therapist like how are they approaching mental health and and keeping you on on track differently so it's funny I actually I believe that my life coach is a much 
better um, process for me personally. Because the thing that I struggle with sometimes with therapy is like, I can talk until the cows come home about past. I can talk about my feelings. I can talk about like, even when I know that they're not right. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like my thoughts are not correct. Like, you know, when I look in the mirror, what I see and what I'm telling myself is not accurate. Like, you know, like there's just different things. It's like, I can logically understand that the thoughts I'm having don't make sense or this or that, but talking about it doesn't necessarily fix it. And so what a life coach does for me is that they give me action. They give me, you know, and for me, like personally, like my life coach now, her name is Olivia Allen. And like, she, she was actually one of my first sponsors. Like she is the most incredible human being in my life. And she's also one of my dearest friends, but like my life coach aspect. And even the coach I had before that, it is more my spiritual aspect now as to where therapy is like, we talk and we work through things and like it's a great mirror to like be like oh is that maybe a pattern you've been doing before or is this or this it's a great mirror for us right but my life coach sits me down and is like okay I want you to close your eyes and then like we'll go inside and we'll meditate and she'll take me through a guided meditation and and then maybe I need to do an inner child work and like, I need to talk to that like inner me. And I know that this can sound foo-foo for other people, but like what you don't realize is that ego that needs this or that feels hurt when this person does that. Or Like for me, it's my little unseen kid that didn't have anyone to look out for them when they were young and like who just as desperately wanted to be seen their whole life. And so sometimes I need to go, hey, <laughs> You're looking to be seen by the wrong people. You're looking to be seen by the wrong person. This person who just did this and hurt you and you're feeling hurt about, they aren't seeing you. They aren't going to see you. But guess what? You see you. So like, we'll do a meditation and I go in and like, now I'm doing these daily by myself because my inner child work has become some of the most important work that I do. But I go in and I hold that little girl the same way I hold my son. And that was one of the, when my, when, when Olivia said to me, you are the most incredible mother. I know you didn't necessarily have that nurturing this, that, and the other, but you can give that to you now in a way that no one ever has before. And I was just like, what, (laughs) you know, like, what, how was that? And so the same thing I do with my child when I hold him and I just kiss him and I tell him every day how loved and how special and how proud and how grateful. So now I actually knew exactly what to visualize the same way I hold my son in my arms and I look him straight in the face. I do the same thing with my little inner self. And I, I picture myself and half of the time I have to like picture like a picture. I remember like what I looked like at that age or whatever, you know, and it's like, but I do, I'll, I'll just cry sometimes, like telling her how much I love her and like how I see her and I don't really care who else sees her, I do, you know? And it's like, and now mind you, had you told me I would be doing this at 25 or 23 when I was in like my darkest place, like, no, but like, you know, as a grown ass adult, as a 34 year old woman, I'm like, dude, I will do anything if it makes me feel healed. Like if it makes me feel peace, like I don't care how dumb, Someone out there is like, oh, really? You hold your, you hold your inner self. You know what? Don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> you know, like maybe it makes you feel better. Just try it. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. But for me, it has helped with like 
acceptance, you know, like accepting that your parents are your parents and you can't change them. Accepting that like you can't control the ways of the world. I can't control people like my movie. I can't control, you know, so much is out of our control, but if you can just like hold yourself and know that like you trust yourself, like, I think that's what it comes down to that inner trust. Like I trust myself to be vulnerable with Leo flowers. I trust myself to have this conversation, you know, and it's a learned trust that I think I definitely didn't have within myself when I was younger. Do you have a name for your inner child? Oh, no, but now I feel like I need to name her because Beast Mode has the, you know, <laughs> Wildflower has a name. That little cutie in there needs a name, too. <laughs> You're going to get an email from me. Like, I'm like, okay, so after a lot of thought, her name is. <laughs> you didn't have a nickname growing up? I feel like Nadine had to come with a million nicknames. So what's funny though is actually as you just said that I was like you know what it probably be, so like my nickname has always been well I always tell people it's Dean because that's what it's kind of grown to be and that's why I say Dean Wildflower because Nadine Dean and that's what I named my character in the movie my true nickname since I was a little girl was Deanie and that's I was named after my great aunt and she was you know the original Nadine and she was big Deanie and I was little Deanie. And so my nickname growing up was Deanie. And that has just like morphed to like, you know, the nicknames that my family calls me now, like don't even make sense. You know, where you're like, like my dad calls me Peener and you're like, where the fuck is that coming from? Like <laughs> Deanie translates to Peener, but like that's my nickname now, you know? So, but if, yeah, I feel like that little girl's name is probably Deanie because that's all, or little Deanie. <laughs> I like little Deanie. It sounds like she has a rap album coming out yeah. in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh my God, I love that. I'm, li I'm literally writing down little <laughs> Deanie right now, just so you know. The, you know, you and talked I'm, you're about gonna laugh as you hear interviews, and I just take that with me. I'm little like, oh, Deanie, well, yeah. You know, little Deanie is. <laughs> Do I have a t-shirt with a picture of her on you? Okay. Uh, how did how did you create that separation between you and your friend? Because that that is tough, right? Like you talked about, I'm lonely, but I also need to now separate myself from people who are no longer aligned with this direction that I'm going in. Did you did you send them? Did you call them all individually? Was it a text message, a slide in the DMs, or was it like the slow fade? It was the slow fade for sure. You know, it's funny that I always actually say is like I didn't actually cut anyone from my life. They just stopped reaching out. You know, and it's like I distanced to focus on my health and my healing. And I was very clear to them, like, hey, I'm sober now. So I'm like, not going to be going out and doing the, like going to the club or whatever, or going to bars and, um, you know, but like, sure, you want to go on a walk sometime or you want to like grab coffee, like, you know, I'm down. And people faded themselves out. You know, I think you have acquaintances who know you as one way or like, no, you know, I was the one you know, like, I don't want to glorify that at all, but I mean, I've been in LA since I was 16. So like, let's just be real. I had a fake ID. I was like going out since way too young. And, you know, so I was like the friend who like got the other friends into the club. And like, I was the friend who like, you know, would go and have the balls to go up to the bouncer and be like, sweet talking and be like, oh, it's just me and five of my friends. Like, you know, and then we'd like get in. And, you know, then I was the one who'd be like, go up to the person with the table and be like, oh, 
because <laughs> like, we're all broke. Like, let's be honest, we're like starving artists. <laughs> you know, it's just um, but like that. I think when people know you as like more fun and then this and then that, and then you're like, I'm not going out actually anymore, and I'm not going to do that, and like that's not actually who I am. And they're like, oh, you know, I think some of them are like, oh, well, she doesn't have a benefit anymore, so like, what's the point, you know? And it's like, and that's okay to admit. Like, I I do think sometimes like when you no longer benefit other people they fade themselves out and that's okay because like that gave me a lot of room to find people who like valued other things in me that I actually value you know like I'm a really loyal friend I really show up for people in my life and I always wanted that back and didn't really have it and I think it's because I was searching for it in the wrong places you know so your first film was Continue, which was based on your true life experience surviving a suicide attempt when you were 23, and that won uh, awards. And now you have a new film coming out October 6th, Desperation Road. What What's the message that you want to come across with this film? Yeah, with Desperation Road in particular, I mean, I'm just going to be clear too, like every film I probably ever do will have a mental health aspect to it. I, it's really important to me and I've created my own, um, well, I'm in the works, I'm almost official of creating my own nonprofit, the Continue On organization to coincide with Continue. And so like, you know, for me in particular, when I came on to this story, one of the things that I really gravitated towards and that was really important to me and that like I I deep dived into was, you know, making sure the mother aspect and like that relationship was really beautiful because I could really identify with a mother who was just desperately trying to start like to provide for her child, you know? And, um, and then like, you know, other themes started to appear to me, like throughout the story, as I started to create it, you know, as these other messages of like how we're all connected and, you know, there's one line that like he literally says, you know, it's like you and I are tied together by an invisible rope and, um, you know, and then Maven has this line that was really important to me. Um, not everybody has somebody. Right. So it's like, you know, trying to remind people like we don't know what each other is going through on any given day. And you have no idea that your act of kindness could be the thing that changes someone's life. Right. And you don't know how we're all connected or why we're connected. And so, you know, my overall message as well for the film was like forgiveness and redemption. You know, the lead character, Russell, was drinking and driving and and killed someone. And, you know, that uh, that decision and that mistake affected everyone in the film. And so for me, you know, watching him battle with that decision and with that grief and with that guilt of what he had done you know, I, I started to see this really important message there. And I really wanted to like bring that forth of like, you know, we aren't, we don't have to be our biggest mistakes. We could instead be our biggest act of kindness, you know? And so through what he does to help the mother and that little girl, you know, is far greater, like, you know, it, it, it will hopefully be what he's remembered for and what makes him love himself again. And, you know, all of these different things. So there are so many like hidden themes within this film that were important to me that I could really latch onto. And as a director, that is actually like the utmost for me, you know, when I came out of continue and, and, and making my film with that project, I turned down a lot of work 
which mind you, like would have been great because like we all need money. <laughs> we all need to pay our bills, you know. But for me, I just feel if I'm going to lend my voice to it and I'm going to take this time away from my family, it has to be something that like I believe is like enriching the world in some way. You know, it's it could change life. It could open our perspective. You know, it could do all of those things. So for me, that's what I stay deeply like attached and driven by is, is the message or how can I change, you know, the world through my creative voice. You know, I, and I've said this many times and I'll never stop saying it. I feel like I survived and I went through all of those things for a reason. And so I try and use that voice for a reason. I love that. And penultimate question. I always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Nadine? I would say you have absolutely no idea what tomorrow could bring. And, you know, this is the entire message for my film continue. And, you know, why I made that film is because if I hadn't survived that night, I would not have done any of the things I dreamed of. I would have been just another lost soul that no one ever heard from that no one you know I'm now a mother I'm a wife I'm a friend I am an advocate for mental health I you know I use my voice for what's important to me and I wouldn't have done any of that if I had died that night you know so if you are feeling that way I just urge you to put one foot in front of the other and just give it one more day. And you have no idea what tomorrow can bring. And the only way that you can find out is by giving it one more day. And then one more day after that and seeking help. And like, I am living proof that we can change. You know, I never, and this is like a really tough thing to admit, but I don't think I ever thought I'd make it to 30. I never thought I'd be a 34 year old woman right now living my dreams with a little boy that's about to turn seven years old like I did not see this in my future and I didn't know I could be this healthy you know and feel this much gratitude and happiness every day so again I have absolutely been to the depths of hell and I have felt complete and utter chaos and loss and just like there's there's nothing you can do to change it and I only know that that was all incorrect and that I was so completely wrong because I survived that night and because I gave it another day and then another day after that and I put one foot in front of the other and now you know I stand here a completely different person I feel like you know but that girl is always there it's always within me right and it does take work. And I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. And literally, when you see continue, you're going to understand. I made this film for you, whoever you are. Like, I leveraged the goddamn house. And I, like, went all in. And I broke myself open because, like, I just want you to know that your life matters. Like, I I care. And I, I just, I want you to be here another day. What are you looking forward to? in the next 24 hours oh in the next 24 hours let's see 
Um, well, I am in the next 24 hours. I, as soon as I'm done here and my son gets off the bus, we told him that we take him to the beach. So I'm really excited to take my son to the beach. That has become like a daily, or I mean, honestly, we go, we go and at least see the ocean every day and, or we try and go to the beach and actually put our feet in the sand at least once a week. It's very calming and very peaceful for me and for my son. My son has autism and like, he's a quirky dude, just like me. So like, <laughs> we need to get outside. We need that space and like, you know, that, that fresh air on our face. So I'm really excited to to do that for him. And, you know, that I get to have these beautiful conversations with you and like have this experience. And then I get to end the day with, you know, my little boy and my husband playing on the beach. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Nadine, for joining us. Thank you listeners for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for calling the 988 or any of the other 800 numbers that are listed in all of the show notes. You can chat, talk, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Nadine. Thank you so much.